have any questions, feel free to ask sure, me. Sure, happy to can yeah, I ask. So, yeah, go Robbie for it. Starbucks? Yep. What are, what's the rally for today? Just for freedom and to support local candidates, um, support our police, and in general, just kind of add some nuance to the conversation and try to find some, you know, I think let people know who are coming around here and are going to, you know, just drive by or walk by and see the event. Let them know what we stand for and that maybe there's some misunderstandings about us and what we stand for. So Sorry, let's be very clear. Oh, all the speakers are Republicans in general. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. And what do you think the misunderstandings are? I think there's, I mean, it's kind of too numerous to even get into. I think the rally in general will kind of get into that. But, um, you know, I'd say even things like I went when they had a BLM rally here and um, I went and I talked to all the kids. It was mostly, I say kids because it was mostly high schoolers and stuff, but um, there were adults there. But I went and I talked to them because I think, you know, we have to talk and have conversations. We can't just stomp our feet and have temper tantrums, you know, like we've got to. And I mean that for everybody involved, because, you know, there's some people who just scream at them and then vice versa. So I went and talked to them and I found I was surprised by what I found because I actually left kind of hopeful that at least ideology wise, a lot of them didn't understand the separation that we see. And I think that's I think that's really the crux of the issue is they see it all as one conglomerate like the they don't see a differentiation between organization and not because they're not really. For the most part, the people I interviewed and talked to, they had never thought of it that way, that there's these two separate entities and which one am I standing for? Whereas we see two separate things. Of course, to us, black lives matter, but they matter the same way every other life matters to us. You know, and on the flip side, there's an organization that maybe we don't generally support because there's a Marxist entity there and I don't feel like they're actually using their money to help black communities, which is what I would rather see. I would rather us empower minority communities and bring better jobs, better opportunities there, and have equal opportunities, not equal outcomes. So, I think what I'm hearing you say is that you you think Black Lives Matter is a Marxist organization, and you're separating that from the movement. Yeah, well, I'm separating is, it from which, the kids because. Well, so, so I'm going to ask you then, like, when you hear people say Black Lives Matter, when you see, you know, Black Lives Matter on the NBA court, when you see people gather here saying Black Lives Matter. Do you think it's wrong to dismiss that as Marxism? I think there's a lot of real estate between each one of those scenarios. So like say with the NBA, they know what they're doing. They know the organization, they're giving money directly to the organization. So I see that totally differently. I see that as they didn't do their due diligence or as an organization that large, they have a responsibility to do their due diligence. So if they didn't, then I hold them responsible for supporting an organization that is outwardly Marxist. I mean, it's not a... It's not like a conspiracy. The founder said she's a trained Marxist and that Marxism She said she's a trained Marxist, yeah. but that doesn't mean that the goal of the Black Lives Matter movement is Marxism. Well, she did say Marxism's the goal. That was in her interview. That was years ago. And, you know, there are plenty of things that originate, like, for instance, the Klan originated in Christianity, yeah. but we don't say Christianity, you know, we don't paint Christianity with the brush of the Klan, right? So, like... I think that, you know, if you look at the spirit of what's happening, yeah. the kids that you talk to, do you think that they're pushing Marxism? Do you think that's I think it was a, it was a what mix. What is Marxism because, So I'm Cuban, so it's probably, okay. <laughs> probably the wrong person no, to asking, ask. What is it to you? I'll, I'll dive into that, but I do want to say about the kids yeah. that I would differentiate them into different blocks um, because they're all individuals. So there's a group of them that I thought just had great hearts. They're good-hearted kids that just they wanted to show they care and they don't really know exactly how to do that. And a lot of them are misinformed on statistics too. And that was something we talked about and sort of dove into the statistics of what actually happens in America, where are the real problems, how can we actually fix the so real problems. So you don't problems. think police brutality for black people is a real problem? 
I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. No, I would say that there's there's issues at the root of what happens in the communities that is responsible for higher crime rates, which equals higher policing, which equals there's a disproportionate amount of policing that happens where you may have those cases. But in terms of raw numbers, you know, you have to kind of differentiate per capita from raw numbers because in raw numbers, there's more white males killed by police unarmed than there are black males. But per capita, there's more black males than white males. So, you know, we had those nuanced conversations and why, what are the reasons and how do we actually change that? And my argument is Democrats have run those cities for decades and decades and decades and decades that are responsible for the higher crime rates. They haven't fixed the problems there. So in my mind, I say, what is there to lose to try a different avenue, try a different way to fix the crime rates, and let's see how the policing changes. Because if your crime rates are lower, and there are areas, by the way, where I would say that's wrong, like say with marijuana. You know, that's, yes. that's just, just over-policed. Just to push back a little bit, yeah. uh, and thank you for talking, by the way. Um, yes, I, I can see what you're saying about the, the crime rates, Yeah. but one party is pushing for police reform, one party is embracing that, one party wants to address the issue. One party is open to steering resources. I like Tim Scott's bill, too. I'm with you 100%. Right. I love Tim Scott's bill. What do you mean? Which is well, Tim oh, Tim Scott did a police reform bill. Right. He's a so, Republican in South Carolina. So he pushed one. White House, they backed it. All the Republicans in the Senate backed it. Democrats wouldn't talk about it or pass it because they ultimately didn't want a solution. They wanted want to argue about it. I think that there's some training reform we can do that would be a lot better in terms of de-escalation, and I think that's something for the safety of police and the community. What about bloated police budgets? Do you, do you think that that's an issue? Um, I think that would, no, I don't. I think that there's a redirection issue because I think we put need to put more of the money in those budgets into, say, some of like the sex victims units that are underfunded to get rape kit tests done faster, things like that. We can move some of the money in the department to better places. But do you understand why people would feel that when they see, you know, a tank? electronic shields or a tank rolling uh, down the street? I get it. I'd rather put money into testing rape kits at okay, the police so department than like tanks. there is some sort, some which is ground. which is some of what we went into with the Tim Scott bill. But when, but when you hear, when you see, like, they're yelling all lives matter, right? Yeah. All lives matter didn't start to become a refrain until Black Lives Matter became a refrain. Yeah. And the point of All Lives Matter is to erase the Black Lives Matter chant. See, I think that's where we have to, like, we all have to talk with each other yeah. because I don't think that's actually the intention at all. I think that sometimes, like, to get to the, the root of all of this and us actually have conversations, we have to be able to say, here's our differences. Number one, we feel like this is an excluding statement, and we're also trying to communicate that statement? just saying one group like say i'm latino and i wouldn't say latino well, lives matter because saying that white lives don't matter when they're saying black lives matter right so i don't think that the majority are but i think some are saying they're saying it in a way where it's it's an error because there's an assumption that there's just this gigantic divide who, who, who between do you think is saying black lives matter and then the implication is that other lives don't. Who's saying that? I would when say I would say that? a lot of the people on the far left, which I, I'm very fair, but and see, I don't they think say that's white lives don't matter. I, not that they don't, but that it's sort Black of like matter a this more? matters more, and yeah. I don't think that's how we're going to get to solve a problem. Have you ever heard anybody say that? I have in an interview. Yes, I have heard You've somebody heard one say that. Say it in an interview? I've heard it in an interview and so before. You're ascribing that to the like I said, movement? I'm very fair. I don't think it's the whole Democratic Party. I think that there's a far left that they do because subscribe to that ideology. No, because you can see it in sort of the, the whole ACAB movement and all that. Those people, they do latch onto these ideas. You know, you That's see the memes thing. they put all out and all that. A bad thing is a different thing yeah. than Black Lives Matter. I do have to check the time, sorry. Okay, go ahead. 
Okay, I think I'm good for a minute. Uh, I mean, you just took, you took us from Black yeah. Lives Matter to the all cops are bad. Yeah, well, no, we I'm saying within that movement, because they're they're kind of, you know, they, they are, I guess what you would say, they're um, adjacent to each other, you know? Well, they're adjacent movements. You know, if you look at something like Chaz Chop, those are adjacent movements. They're both there at the same I mean, time it's operating like together. That, you know, because you see a Sig Howell salute at yeah. a Trump rally that the Trump rally is an adjacent movement. I don't think Which is why fair. I would say they, the person there should be fair and say this is a segment of a far, you know, to this way movement. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say, oh, that describes the whole party, you know, but, but, but which is what we do see. What's happening is like anybody that says Black Lives Matter, you know, you have a rally here yeah. seemingly in answer to Black Lives Matter, right? I would like say actually. That was the first thing you started talking to me about. I didn't even bring it up. You brought it up. About so Black Lives Matter? Yeah, you started talking about Black Lives Matter as basically a misunderstanding that you, you believe this is going to clarify. So I guess It's not so much that. I'd say it clarifies a lot of different issues yeah. in terms of like where we're coming from. And I do think there's an issue with the Marxist core of, of the organization because I think they're using kids and they're using people who are maybe good hearted that just don't understand the totality of what they're doing as an organization. Maybe you don't understand where they're coming from. Like, like I get what you're saying and you think, okay, yeah. because somebody said I'm a trained Marxist who was there at the beginning of this thing. Yeah. But do you And really, it's still there. Yeah. But, but the people that are coming out for black lives matter rallies, yeah. they couldn't tell you what a Marxist is. They're not there to support Marxism. And to be fair, you're right. They're, a lot of them couldn't. And I have on video, a lady left the actual uh, march down there. Cause I talked to her and I explained, that's you know, anecdotal. You know, yeah, but the point is that people see these videos of police brutality and charges not being brought, and people like Breonna Taylor. Like, I'm not going to get into specific. Yeah, I'm sure you have thoughts about each and every one of those instances. Yeah, everyone is different. Like Philando oh, Castile, oh, okay, I, okay. I stood up but for Philando Castile. Right. Okay. Well, that's good because a lot of people do. Yeah. And on balance, like the point is, we see these things happening on video, and charges don't get brought. People feel pain, and so yeah. it seems like there's a dismissal of their pain. I think and that the, there's just nuance necessary. Is part of that. All lives matter is part of that. It's a dismissal of their pain, and it seems like you're actually more sympathetic to that pain. Than I people I understand. Like I understand where people are coming from, but I also understand the intention here, and the intention of this movement is one that, like you know, yesterday I was in downtown Nashville. We had more minorities, more gay people at the rally well, than we had of anybody which else. Movement are we talking about? You know, uh, walk away. Yesterday. Let's walk away. It's a Brandon Strzok's movement for people who have left the Democratic Party and become Republicans over the last so four or five years. So now you're talking about the Democratic Party, like yeah. you're talking about Black Lives Matter and police brutality. Yeah, no, and but my point like is, is about the diversity of the Republican Party, and that's sort of what this, you know, so you're in terms to make of. It more diverse? I would say I, it's not that I'm, I'm trying to. It's just the reality of it that hasn't been displayed through the media. Is they like haven't the displayed us. Is, is we've gotten so much more diverse over the last four or five years. Leadership. I mean, we have a Tennessee supermajority. We have more minorities running right now no for Congress. Bar. We have more minorities running for Congress right now in the Republican Party than we have in over four or five decades. It's a pretty low bar. It's not a low bar. That's I think that's a con I think that's an amazing bar. Look at the number of black voters no, that I have switched it's, it's parties. A, it's a. It's a. I'm just saying. On balance, that's not a lot. It's not a high bar of people. You know, if you look at I would split, disagree with that. If you look at the split in the Republican Party and yeah. the, and leadership, there's not a lot of. I would say I would say right now. I mean, it's one of those things where you have to decide. You know, are you looking for tokens? Because I don't want to be a token. I'm Latino. I don't want anybody to give me a job just because I'm Latino. Sure. Um, and I think that's just generally offensive to minorities. Yeah. You know, if if it's like, hey, you know what, we need to fill this seat with somebody who's darker shade. I would be upset by that if somebody approached me to run under that, you know, sort of thing. But I would say we've found 
a new base in the party in general where we've been very open and communicated our policy in the most intelligent way we ever have to make very clear to people that we're open for everybody. Making America great is something that everybody can be a part of and there's no exclusions, there's no group that isn't allowed in. Everybody's been accepted with open arms. Like even you today, I know you ideologically disagree with me, but I love that you're here, yeah. you know? Uh, just as a last thing, I know you gotta go. Yeah. Uh, when, I, I guess I would just say like, how did you feel when you saw the Republican Party didn't even put forward a platform other than like support Trump at the RNC? I, th I think it actually, like yeah, so I, I definitely, you know, that's another issue where I think we've gotten to a point in the country where if you put everything out there, and this goes for both sides, the minute you put everything out, if you put everything out there, you end up in a place where you have no negotiating position. And I think that's where we've ended up. So I do get where somebody like you would maybe look at that and go, oh, it seems like psychophantic, you know, or whatever. But it's it's really, I think, more so about negotiating position and being able to be flexible on issues. Like, say, with healthcare, you know, the big hit is, oh, there's not a healthcare plan. But in reality, the plan is we want to have negotiating room, you know. And so the new executive order that some people would say, oh, it has no teeth, it goes back to the DACA decision at Supreme Court. The idea is that we found out you can have an executive order that may or may not be legal, but it's going to take years to get to the Supreme Court and actually have that decided, which in that time frame, you have a bridge. And that bridge is going to be able to allow pre-existing conditions to be covered. And then you have all that time in there to negotiate a new deal. And I think that's where you leave that frame open. Don't box yourself into this is our health care plan. That's a generous way of looking at it. One last thing. Yeah. Um, you have Glenn Cassida coming here today. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm assuming you know his background, that the Republican caucus voted no confidence. Yeah. That he had uh, a chief of staff who used the N-word in texts and did cocaine at his desk yep. during the work week and empowered and admitted a guy who admitted to child sex abuse and apologized for it on tape, made him a chair of an education subcommittee, lied about a lot of it to Phil Valentine, a conservative radio host. So also misplaced campaign funds, $100,000, called it a learning lesson. How do you justify back? I'm, I'm unfamiliar with the second uh, allegation that you gave about uh, the child sex person. So, but I will say this, I would fire anybody who made excuses about child sex, any crime against children, which you'll hear today. It's one of like the biggest issues my wife and I advocate for on every level, nationally and locally, that we have the strongest laws to protect children. So um, that person would be fired immediately if it was up to me. And same thing with anybody who was calling anybody a racist slur or anything like that. It's like, seems like the most obvious thing to me, you fire them. But in terms of him, you know, he didn't do the things. So I do, I do go back to leadership and I say, you know, is there something as a leader you have to take some responsibility for? And I feel like he, he did take some responsibility and he, he walked, he came back, he thought things through and he's coming back again. And I think in America, we are, a country that values giving people second chances, which is why I supported the First Step Act. You know, I think that we do need to have second chances and avenues for people to not just exist within society, but be in positions where they can make change happen and learn from their mistakes and say, you know what, I learned from this terrible thing and I'm gonna make sure that terrible thing doesn't happen again. You know, so he may be, in my mind, what I would hope is you'd be even more careful in your hiring decisions going in, having had this experience. Does that make sense? But, but I will say, especially with the second case, especially with the second case, I don't know the details, but if those details are what you say they are, um, I mean, I would, I would, I would, I would take that to the, the fullest extent that you could possibly take it, you know, so. I'm happy, you're on Twitter, I'll send you 
the 10 For sure, my DMs are open, David you know. Bird. So, All right. always open to a conversation. This is my wife, by the way. Hi. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. Thank you so much. Take care.